happy December. Happy December. I can't believe this decade is almost over. This is the last podcast of the decade. <clears throat> Which sounds more impressive than perhaps it is, given that the we've only been doing this podcast for like a year and a half. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, it's the last podcast of the decade. Yes. So um, cheers as we move into the roaring 2020s and um, get close to World Conference. Oh, it's right around the corner. Absolutely. So we are so excited this month because we have a jam-packed extended really version of the episode. episode this month. I've enjoyed every single one of our, not that I don't enjoy our interviews every month, disclaimer, but this month's are very exciting because not only did we get to sit down with our 2019 club executive of the year, Tony DeRico. Yes. Um, but we also got to chat with two new team members here at CMA headquarters, which is a lot of fun. We got to know them a little bit better and we're so excited to introduce them to you. Um, but Tony is a 26 year member of CMAA, which is impressive in and of itself. Um, and he is currently the chief operating officer at Quail West Foundation in Naples, Florida, which includes the Golf and Country Club as well as the Homeowners Association. Um, and the Melissa, do you want to talk a little bit about what Club Executive of the Year is? Sure, absolutely. So this is an annual recognition um, presented by Club Management Magazine, the official publication of CMA. And annually, they recognize the best in club leadership with the Club Executive of the Year Award. It was originally created in 1985 and known as the Club Manager of the Year Award, but has evolved over time to the current title. This prestigious honor is presented to the club executive who most embodies the values, visions, and professionalism of CMA. Nominations are accepted in early fall. And selections are made by a committee of club management professionals, including past recipients. The process actually requires nominations both from your club, from colleagues or a board member, um, as well as your CMA chapter. And uh, Tony is the 34th club executive to be honored through this award. It's very prestigious, and it's quite an honor to receive um, this title. So we're, we were really thrilled to sit down with Tony and, and chat with him a little bit about his philosophy as a club manager and, you know, some of the advice that he would give himself as well as up-and-coming um, club managers in the industry. And, I mean, he's a wealth of knowledge and a font of positivity. So it's, it's always a delight to sit down and chat with him. Um, and as I, as I mentioned before, we are also featuring two interviews with our two newest team members, um, Christina Kruger, who is taking the role of um, manager for member communities and student development. So she's taken over students from me, which is bittersweet for me to say goodbye to the students. But I'm so excited that Christina is, is with us to, um, to take over that role. Um, and Julie Montras, who is our new Senior Vice President for Business Development. So we hope you enjoy the episode. Tony DeRico has more than 27 years of experience in the club industry. Prior to joining Quail West three years ago, he served as the General Manager, Chief Operating Officer of Westwood Country Club in St. Louis, Missouri, where he started in 1999. His previous experiences included general manager and COO roles with Champions Hills Club and POA in Hendersonville, North Carolina, and Riverwood Golf Club in Port Charlotte, Florida. In his nomination, Quail West Foundation President Rolla P. Huff explained, In the three short years since Tony's arrival, Quail West has become the preferred residential country club community and workplace in southwest Florida. 
Tony provided senior management oversight to a three-year, $34 million investment that was completed in 2018. During that time period, our membership has doubled, and more importantly, our member engagement has increased exponentially in every part of the club. We are so excited to have Tony join us today. So, Tony, can you talk us through how you brought about such significant change to Quail West? How did you prioritize walking in the door, and what did you focus on? Well, thank you. That's a great question, and I'm often asked that given the challenges that we faced uh, in 20, early in 2016 when I arrived here. Uh, Quail West was uh, recovering from, um, a, still recovering from a bankruptcy that took place in two, you know, post-2008 era and, um, you know, was on their third master developer at the time. And the, I, I liken it to kind of a movie set when I came down here and interviewed with the search committee and the leadership team. Quail West is like a lot of Naples communities, a lot of very expensive housing and really lovely facilities. But if you if you sort of got out of the car and looked behind the set, you could notice some crumbling infrastructure and there was some dysfunction in the leadership team, including you know some really strong silos within the management and the capital structure was relatively weak and you might even be asking yourself, why did you even take something like that on? Well, um, they were very transparent about the condition of the community and the club, but there were a few things that were in place that were outstanding. The demographics were, were excellent and improving at the time. The membership had made a very strong commitment to an, an investment into the community that I'll come back to in a minute. And they had already taken some meaningful steps to getting their governance on the right track. So when you have those things in place, which are pretty um, foundational as it relates to anybody's success or failure, um, those things were, were important to me coming in. But the board at the time made it very clear. So the good news was I didn't have to do a whole lot of thinking when it came <laughs> to setting my priorities because they set them for me. And they were really threefold. One to upgrade the performance of the management team with or without the people that were there. Two was to successfully execute the, uh, the project that they had just approved. So this was a $35 million facility improvement project that they were just getting started on. And third was to, uh, to partner with them to make sure that their governance evolved uh, sooner than later to a place of best practice. So. That became my mandate, if you will, uh, when I came here, and uh, that, um, you know, allowed for me to prioritize my, um, my work when I arrived. So tell us about your philosophies on the staff team. Um, you know, I've had the, the joy to get to see you in, in a couple of clubs um, in your role as a past president when you were at Westwood. Um, so how do you inspire your team and set the culture? I mean, walking into this, this club and, and obviously knowing everything you did coming in, um, you know, what did you do to really inspire your team and, and set the culture? Because right, it sounds like that was a big piece of, like you said, your mandate was sort of how to figure out how to move forward with or without the existing team in place and maybe come in and break down some of those silos. So, yeah, like how did you attack that and then how do you, you know, live that moving forward? 
So I'm not a, a house cleaner by nature. And <laughs> 17 years ago when I took over at Westwood Country Club, actually 20 years ago when I took over at Westwood, um, I, I didn't have that specific of a mandate, but I ended up um, working through you know, several priorities that were laid out for me by the board and didn't make one change to the senior management team. This was very different from that. Um, the, the steps I followed were the same, which is to, you know, clearly articulate a vision that the whole team could understand and a strategy to bring that vision about. And then it became very clear very quickly who was going to be on that journey with me and who would not. And I will tell you, over the course of a three-year period, I ended up having to or getting to to replace uh nine of the 12 direct reports that I have in the organization. And as it relates specifically to your question about the team and how do I motivate, you know, I'm a big believer in the, in the idea that, you know, you got to go know what you're looking for before you go out and find it. So when I mm -hmm. conducted all of these searches, we were very specific about writing out these, these profiles. And while they, they require different skill sets for each job, obviously. Um, the three things that we had, um, I, you know, items one, two, and three behind, you know, I would say some pretty standard text about being a person of unimpeachable character and um, who, who's got demonstrated success in their area of expertise. We were looking for people who had a servant's heart, a very strong team orientation, and, and folks that are naturally member-centric. And therefore, when, you know, over the course of a few years, when, when I was searching and selecting and hiring this new leadership team, everybody we brought to the table, while a diverse group of people, had those three things in common. And when you have a leadership team, and I know you all have a great leadership team at CMAA, when you have a leadership team that's comprised of people with servants' hearts, strong team orientation, and naturally member-centric, there's a lot that you can accomplish together. And um, I'm really proud of those women and men. And, um, you know, that was such a big part of really setting this, um, setting the culture properly, and, and the silos just naturally just decayed as that uh, became our new normal strong team orientation, you know, silos, they just sort of died of Yeah, those don't go together. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I will tell you, it's, it's interesting. I, there's a lot of discussion about, you know, who's more important in the organization, the staff or the member, and, you know, where do you place resources and focus? And I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that. In fact, when we, when we uh, work together as a leadership team, we use the word member um, universally to describe everybody in our organization. And I, we say member of the club or member of the staff. They're yeah. still a member. And so we don't bother, I don't bother distinguishing when we talk about standards or when we talk about philosophies, how we treat our members. We treat our members the same because they're, they're all members of the organization. They're either a member of the club or a member of the team. And um, that also has helped people, you know, really everybody thinking about things, you know, the, the right way. 
Um, one of the things that I've I've always enjoyed uh, doing, and it, and it really came about as by a matter of necessity. I do enjoy writing, um, and I say a matter of necessity because I I believe it's such an effective way to communicate because you really can control the you know, really can control your messaging in a thoughtful manner. And one of the um, tools that I use, if you will, is I, I do write directly to my staff um, on, a, on a regular basis. Uh, first Friday of the month, I release a piece called Welcome to Work. And I actually stole this idea from somebody, and I don't have any problem admitting that. <laughs> although it, looked, it looked much different when I saw it. It was really a, um, it was a piece that was designed to just give everybody an update of what to expect that day at the, at the club. But I loved the title, and I, and I called this person. Of course, I got his permission to, to use that, the title for my staff blog. And now it's something that I have done now for... I would say at least 10 years of writing this blog once a month to staff. And the messaging is a variety of things, ranging from, you know, inspirational messages to things that are very work-specific. But I would tell you mostly it's um, topically I would tell you Welcome to Work is more designed as something that's not specific to related to work, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's something that the readership is is pretty strong, and I and I've over the years I've gotten some some really good feedback um, on this, and it's just a way that I feel like I can connect to people. Um, you all know because you interview a lot of people of, <laughs> of um, <laughs> um, who run organizations of various sizes, but when you got a large organization. And, it is, try as we might, it is very difficult to touch everyone mm-hmm. on a regular basis. And that's been a way for me to, um, you know, connect on a pretty meaningful um, level with my team. And I think it's a great opportunity then to continually, like, preach almost or proselytize, like, that culture that you're trying to espouse and, and live every day. Um, but I mean, that's just a great way to continue that touch point is that ongoing communication. Can I get on the D list for that email? Cause I, you feel like I <laughs> want to read that every week. That sounds great. I could use a little inspiration like that. That's fantastic. Um, okay. So when we think about what the next few decades might bring to our industry, I mean, we're, I feel like we're sort of on this precipice of a lot of change and opportunity, yep. particularly within the association itself, but in the industry as a whole. What do you think the biggest challenges will be for clubs and for the club industry? So I feel that, I, I will tell you broadly, the biggest challenge that clubs will ever face is change. <laughs> uh, it's, the biggest, it's the biggest challenge clubs have always faced has changed. And, you know, clubs, generally speaking, are slower than the average bear when it comes to evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, that in and of itself is a challenge. Now, when you go to something really specific, like, and I'll just pull out something that I do feel is impacting clubs right now and will only continue to, and that's the role of technology in clubs. So when you compare <laughs> how quickly technology is evolving mm-hmm. 
versus how slowly clubs tend to evolve, that's a that's a disaster in the making if you don't get out ahead of that. Absolutely. And you know, what when it comes to anything from like you know rules and dress codes mm-hmm. and and things of that nature, where clubs historically have demonstrated an unwillingness to evolve, mm-hmm. um, they are a little bit more willing to embrace the role of technology in a club, but the biggest challenge from my point of view is when, you know, having having managers who really understand their role and can execute their role of the change, you know, you can use whatever you, word you want, change catalyst, change agent, mm-hmm. change steward, you know, they're all kind of the same. There's no escaping the reality, though, that the in my opinion, anyway, the GM's responsibility is to lead mm-hmm. the change. And um, But clubs have demonstrated an unwillingness to change, um, you know, throughout history. And we all know that the ones that have failed to evolve are either struggling or, or just not with us any longer. Um, but if you look, you know, as, as, a, as an industry broadly, golf is healthy right now, but golf is has enjoyed, you know, the health of golf has ebbed and flowed quite a bit and mm-hmm. in, in, even in recent history. It's not, in my opinion, the principal driver of the inter- industry that it once was. Um, and I, in my, you know, the way I think about this is that um, the, the one thing all cl- clubs have in common when it comes to what people are looking for, there is this inherent need we have as human beings to connect with other people. And, you know, golf was one, a conduit, conduit of that connectivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can fill in the blanks, either golf or athletics or sure. yachting or sure. whatever that is. This need for connectivity is the thing that just really, you know, that, that drives everything. So I feel like the industry itself is is going to be healthy. We just need to be out ahead of what are those conduits of connectivity today in the in our little corner of the world in the in the um, in Southwest Florida and Naples in particular or other markets like us, um, you know, ten or fifteen years ago, golf was number one. It's not true today. Today, if if you don't have best in class uh, casual dining best-in-class fitness and social and recreational programming, mm-hmm. you can't even be part of the conversation in high-end luxury real estate decisions. And, you know, in our case, anyway, and like many gated communities, the real estate decision precedes the club decision. Sure. Um, so getting back to your first question, when we made this big um, investment into our into our project, and, and we invested $35 million in the facilities. That was all about bringing about this new era of social and recreational um, facilities and programming that people are looking for today. Um, but we, we have changed and evolved and will continue to do so, but, and I bring it full circle, back to the, you know, what a managers and what people need to be thinking about and how to think about this, just people women and men who do what I do have to understand, clearly understand and, and know how to execute their role in, in leading change in the organization. I think that that's a 
great point. And I think it's interesting um, that you brought up something like technology being sort of a specific pain point or challenge um, looking forward, because to me, that sort of typifies um, that you said there's like a diametrically opposed thing where clubs are so slow to change and technology right. is the thing that changes so rapidly. But when clubs have to think about technology, it's sort of twofold. It's how can we implement technology sort of on the back end to assist whether it's our staff members or um, club mm -hmm. operations. And then how then do we also think about technology from the club member side as well, whether it's their use of technology within the club, cell phones, computers, or otherwise, right. and then what kind of member-facing technology implements are there, whether it's iPads and dining rooms or, you know, things like that. There's so many elements, but I think that that sort of perfectly encapsulates, like I said, the sort of precipice that we're standing on um, yeah. when it comes to this industry. is like the rest of the world moves really quickly, and right. we... As you said, the only way for club management professionals to prepare for these changes is to just know how to lead and know how to do their job and be that conduit for change. And maybe that doesn't mean being a yes man, but maybe that means being diligent and listening first and deciding later, you know? I think right. that's a great Absolutely. point. You know, the good news on technology, though, at least based on my observation, we... we engaged a consultant to help us map out a strategic plan mm -hmm. specific to IT. And I'm, I'm, it was money well spent because yes. we were able to <laughs> see, um, you know, it, it'll be worth, the, the, the report we paid for won't be worth the paper it's printed on three years from now. Right. Because we can't really predict now some technologies that were that are going to be commonplace even as early as three to five years Absolutely. from now. Absolutely. But right. it did help us develop a roadmap that we can follow and make thoughtful investments on an annual basis just mm -hmm. to make sure that we're kind of going in the right direction. But I'll tell you that it's my observation is that, um, and this is good news, anybody thinking about, you know, evolving technology in the club, this is an area where people particularly um, – even older people, um, and by older I mean older than me, um, people are kind of gadget geeks right now, and, mm -hmm. and you have to capitalize on that. I mean, totally. my mother, who's almost 90, has, you know, just got an eye watch, and it's like her new favorite, you yes. know, thing. <laughs> and she's not alone. I mean, and, she, and because a lot of people who are, you know, they're no longer afraid of embracing uh, toys, and, right. you know, I say toys, technology in that way, and we see evidence of it all the time. So when we do want to introduce a new platform or a better way of doing things, whether it, you know, it's, it, it, it usually is about how it impacts them as a user. Mm -hmm. where, where clubs are struggling is how they, it impacts them as it relates to rules and right. policies within the organization. That's where people have a hard time getting out of their own way. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's summed up perfectly. Thanks. <laughs> So, Tony, thinking about in your career, what is the most meaning profession, meaningful professional lesson that you've learned? So I'm a I'm a expert of nothing and a student of everything, so that's a long list of lessons. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I would tell you without any close second, the most impactful lesson I learned happened when I was in my um, – mid-twenties, and it was in my first job as a club manager, and 
we had discovered that um, a member of the senior management team was stealing, for lack of a better way of putting it. It, it um, you know, there is no other way to put it because he was stealing. <laughs> and, on, you know, he he occupied a position where um, some of the things he was doing and how he was doing it as it related to purchases and so forth, um, when I presented what I had discovered to the board, and the board at the time was a corporate board because I worked for a corporation. This was not a um, private club board in a traditional sense. So I, and the board hired this person before they had hired me. So mm. this person was like their guy. And when I when I when I presented what I had learned, I was dumbfounded by the response, which was, you know, several people in the room, uh, and I, I'm sharing all this without sound, wanting to sound too preachy or judgy, and that's not what this is about, but um, several people in the room just really wanted to go, these guys do that all the time, it's not, it's no big deal, just have a conversation with them and blah, 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 and, yeah. and I was... Um, I was really troubled by that, and um, because this was my first foray into corporate America too, I had, and I thought, wow, if this is what these corporate boardrooms are all about, I don't know if I want any part of this. Uh, my big takeaway, however, happened when my um, the person I reported to, who was the director of the project at the time, um, sided with me on the the issue, and he um, was prepared to walk if the board didn't um, see clear to supporting my recommendation to separating ourselves from this individual. And um, he had a lot more to lose than I did. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I was so um, impacted by that, the importance of integrity in business, that somebody was really, when push came to shove, he was really willing to put his own you know, job on the line for it, as I was. But again, I had much less to lose than he did. Mm -hmm. And it was such a, I never forgot it, obviously, because I'm sharing it with you today, but I, it was such a powerful lesson of, of um, the black and white nature of, of theft and how too often people want to make gray out of black and white when they ought not to be yeah. doing that. And long, long story now, I'll short and I'll bring it to an end. In the end, the the board came back. Um, they wanted to deliberate it in private, and they came back. The, the chairman came out of the room and spoke to my boss and I, and and he walked out of the room, and he just looked at us and said, I hope you guys know what you're doing. Go do what you need to do. And um, basically, we were able to convince the board to support our decision to separate uh, with this person. And it was pretty powerful, and I'll never forget it. It's a wonderful example, I think, of, like, the humanity of people. Like, where you say, you know, your supervisor was willing to put a lot more on the line than you would have. That's right. To yep. stand up for, essentially, what was right in the face of yep. the sort of Gordon Gecko mentality of greed is good, greed is normal. Right. It's right. fine. This happens all the time. It's like, yeah, but just because it happens all the time doesn't mean that it's okay. Yeah. 
doesn't yeah. make it right. And exactly. being willing to walk that tougher path, right? right. To 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 yeah. to kind of sweep it under the rug would have been the easy way to deal with it. But um, mm-hmm. I think, I think we, that we're you know we're faced with those kinds of dilemmas all the time. They may not be as significant or serious as that, but you know in the workplace I think it happens a lot where you see something and you go that's just not we shouldn't be doing that and right. it is hard to you know get up the gumption to say I'm not going to stand for that and I think we should do something about it so I think that like your point about integrity is so well taken well thank you and I, re- I remember thinking uh, you know I was I was happy to take a stand and I was very happy to have a boss who supported me on the stand that I was taking. <laughs> but of course I remember thinking, okay, so this is how my career in club management is going to end. You know, right. I, uh, I didn't, if, if you were with me in the, in that little outer room of the boardroom, I would have, I'd have bet anything it would have gone the other way. And, yeah. um, so yeah, it was, it was interesting. Sure. Tony, we've been talking a lot, um, to folks who are mid career this year about what their, what their experience is and, and knowing how to take that next step. And, and you've had a, a long and distinguished career in this industry. What is the advice that you wish you had given yourself when you started and that you would share with our, all of our listeners on that? So I love this question. Um, there's really a couple of things that I would, speaking specifically to my younger self, <laughs> um, I would tell my younger self to love learning as much as you're going to later in life. And I remember uh, when I was um, in college and right out of college, I did not love learning. And you know the old saying, learning is wasted on the, on, on, on the young. <laughs> um, and as we get older, we learn to appreciate the value of education and the value of learning so much more. Mm-hmm. And I did develop a thirst for learning throughout my career that that is in part due to um, my involvement in CMAA and the, the people who mentored me and took an interest in me and I, from whom I learned so much in my, in my life. Um, but, but to tell a, a, a younger person to just learn to love learning as much as I know you will later, I think is really important. Um, and that would be to me specifically because I know I didn't when I was in my, you know, yeah. early 20s. But the other thing that I tell, and we've got a, we have, we've built such a wonderful um, internship program here at Quail West. And we, we've, it's now the, it's now the um, top rated program at FGCU right now by the students. And my whole leadership team is involved and it's, it's very interactive and we've even involved it to call it um, leadership development instead of an internship Ooh, program like because it's just so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned so much from these students because they're bright and they're committed and they're so deeply passionate about what they're doing. And, um, of course, they often ask that question, too, you know, what advice do you have for for us? And as I... Um, as we kind of wrap up the program, I always tell them that I always tell them the same thing that um, I don't know a lot about a lot of industries, but I do know a little something about this one, and I and I know because um, of the you know the number of people that I know in the in the industry and the and the, um, the the career I've had that where you work and for whom you work 
particularly early in your career, is infinitely more important than your job title or your salary. And I expand on that a little bit to let them know how interconnected the CMAA world is and how strong um, you know brands are in in our in the world of club management and some of the examples that I gave them that you know based if 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 a colleague and friend of mine um, were to refer a candidate to me for a a job if they would just a, you know attest to their technical competencies I would hire somebody sight unseen who worked for a Damon DiOrio mm-hmm. at Desert Mountain or a Kevin yep. Carroll right. um, at Atlanta Athletic Club or you know some of my other dear friends and mentors that um, too often young people get a little bit too caught up in what the title is and and I get that earning money is important and I get that 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 is high on their list of things but to demonstrate a little patience and be thoughtful and about selecting where you are going to learn um, and work earlier in your career is so important because, um, you know, in our business, as you all know, there are organizations and there are many of them that are, um, you know, such quality organizations inside and out. They're led by people of integrity. And when you can associate yourself with a brand like that, you know, you will be so much more easy. It is so much easier for you to demonstrate, you know, that um, that you that you understand what quality looks like, and that you've been um, taught and trained in a in the in the right kind of environment. And um, that's the one thing that I tell um, a lot of young people universally. That, again, where you work and for whom you work is more important than the job title and the salary. I think that's great yeah, advice. Absolutely. I, I'm personally, I am also someone who loves to learn, so I, <laughs> I love the learning point because I think that it could be broadened to to say, you know, have an open mind because as a learner, I feel like you have to open your mind up to differing opinions and different perspectives, um, and you may not always agree with them, but if you can right. internalize them and process them in a way, you can recognize them and sort of be able to shift your thinking um, around an issue and be able to see Mm -hmm. it from many sides and it's super helpful for problem solving and it's super helpful for like conflict negotiation and things like that to be able to step back and have perspective but you can't do that if you don't have an open mind and you're not willing to listen and learn from someone else well I couldn't agree more (laughs) I could not agree more you know we we talked a lot and I know you um, we're getting ready to wrap up and I um, I one of the things I think about a lot when it as it relates now particularly as I was just talking about our internship program our leadership development program and um, the importance of um, being intentional about mentoring other people um, you know there, there is, there is learning and teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, you know, it's often said that that teaching is the highest form of learning. And I, I don't, I, I spend um, a a fair amount of time engaged directly and personally in this internship program, not because I don't have other things to do, <laughs> um, but I do because I think it's 
it's critical um, for a lot of reasons, um, not not the least of which is that we're as an industry, I think we're still struggling to to capture on our capture rate in terms of hospitality graduates into this business. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we need more people that are actively involved in the in the concept of mentoring. Um, but there's that old adage: you do get out of it what you put into it. And I I I, I told you at the beginning, I learned so much from them. Um, as I teach them, I learn from them, and it's just been it's it's truly an enriching thing for me personally and professionally to be so involved in the in the leadership development skills of these young people. It's awesome. Well, we're really grateful for people like you who do take an interest and who do um, want to be involved and engaged with our student members because, as you said, I mean, we do, I think we are in a place right now where we're struggling um, to get to get that transition um, at graduation to make sure they stay in this industry and that we keep the best and the brightest and the people who are going to be most impactful. Um, but when people like you step in and, and take on that role of mentor um, and, you know, and our students can see your passion for the industry and for learning and for sharing your wealth of knowledge, when they can see that at work, I think it's invaluable um, to them. And I think that it only helps us, I think, in the long run to, to encourage them to stay, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tony. I don't have any other questions I, I, to ask you. I don't. I was going to say, that was that was amazing, I think. Um, We've hit on well, everything. thank you. <laughs> it's been such a pleasure to talk to you all. Absolutely. And I really appreciate you selecting me to have this conversation. It's been, it's been very nice. Well, congratulations on being selected the Club Executive of the Year. Yeah. And we thank you. look forward to celebrating with that. you at conference. For sure. And I look forward to seeing you both in Dallas. Thank Absolutely. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, welcome, to, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, very formal, as you can so. see. Um, well, we are excited to have Christina Kruger here. Uh, she's a new member of our team. She's a new um, manager of member communities and student development, so she's actually taking over part of my job, which has been very fun. Um, we're tag-teaming student stuff right now, which has been cool. Big learning curve, for sure. Uh, she's a native from Northern Virginia and a graduate from George Mason University, and you earned your BS in tourism and event management. I did. Cool, cool, cool. Um, You've worked in hospitality in different capacities, a wedding planner at a winery, mm-hmm. corporate meeting planner, sales manager at hotels, and you were a cast member at Disneyland. I was. That's a, <laughs> She's like a Disney princess. Absolutely. <laughs> so this is not is that fun time. shocking. And we're recording no. here live. Yes, this in is the month of December live from her office. In person, which is basically <laughs> which the is pole. like the North Pole. Which is like the There <laughs> are <laughs> twinkly lights all around us. Mm-hmm. There is sparkly garland. There's a Christmas tree. There is a lit and decorated tree. And a poinsettia. And a poinsettia. So festive. And it so. smells like Christmas in here. Does it not smell like a, like it a Christmas tree? It does smell like oh. a Christmas tree in here. <laughs> I don't smell anything that's not good. Uh, well, you know what? It's been out for a couple a couple weeks now since probably Thanksgiving. So maybe you got used to it. Okay, so first question, how much do you love Christmas? Um, more than life itself sometimes. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. So I could read like the rest of your bio here, um, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Cool. What did you do before you came here and what, what brought you to CMA? Yeah, so let's see. Right before I took this job, I was working in the fitness industry. Um, I've been teaching Group X um, and personal training for about seven years. 
Um, it's always been a side hustle through college and everything. <laughs> it was just something fun that I got me out of my dorm and it's out an of my... to exercise. 100%. Because yeah. if I get to teach it and work out at the same time, what a right. you know, great it's way to spend my time. Getting paid to exercise. <laughs> yeah. I would, would like that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I grew up a dancer, so when I, like, made the switch to, like not be in the dance world anymore it was a good like oh great I actually can still be active and yes. still do stuff um so yeah so fitness has always been a side hustle um I worked at two uh, I worked at a hotel and then a resort for two years um and after I left that I was like I just want to do something different um and I turned the side hustle into like a real thing hustle um <laughs> and I started with teaching one class um a week and that turned into teaching 20 classes a week with 10 personal training sessions um, all around the DMV. Um, Mm -hmm. And I did that for a year and a half. And then I got a job as a fitness manager um, and worked in, like, a very, like, corporate setting. Like, a building that had, like, 24 different companies. And Mm -hmm. I was the manager of a fitness center that was in that building. Um, So anyone that worked in the building could use the facility, um, and we did promotions, like health and fitness promotions, I did classes, training, all that good stuff. Um, Yeah, and I did that, and then I um, knew our VP, and she was like, we have this position opening. (laughs) We have this thing. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, and I was like very, actually not very hesitant, because as much as I got my degree in hospitality and events, um, and I worked in hospitality in the hotel industry. Um, I didn't have the best experience working in hotels, and so I was very hesitant to get back into the hospitality industry. Um, but I think after talking to her about it and then meeting the people that I met and, like, having the conversations that I met, um, honestly, Kyle, after I talked to you and Erica, I was like, <laughs> yeah, like, wow, what a good time. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, good job, Erica. Yeah. <laughs> High fives all around. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so after talking to y'all, like, I think that really, like, sealed the deal, and so then I was like, let's, you know, try something something new new and exciting, so. Well, I'm interested, um, to see what you think of the club space Mm -hmm. after having worked in hotels, which is similar, but very different in a lot of ways. Um, you know, obviously, like, you've only been here a couple months, so you're still getting your feet under you, but, like, Mm -hmm. once you go to conference and you start to get some FaceTime with our members, I mean, it'll be, I'll be really interested to hear, like, what your thoughts are, what your take is on that. Um, Okay, so obviously you are passionate about fitness. Mm -hmm. That's evident. What Mm -hmm. else are you passionate about? And Christmas. You're passionate about Christmas. And Christmas, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, Honestly, and even above all of that, um, people are my passion. Mm -hmm. Um, And they always have been. I truly like that like warm Christmas fuzzy feeling you get um I get that when I can like make people smile or like make people be like wow like thank you like I feel so much better about this I feel so much more confident about this and I think again that kind of overlaps with like the fitness thing yeah I like helping people make themselves feel confident in themselves and in their lives and fitness was a way to let me do that um Christmas is kind of the same thing. It's like if you can, you know, create a space where, like, people are together and, like, happy and whatnot. And if it's, like, I got a Christmas party or even just making Christmas cookies, I sit back and I watch and it just gives me, like, the best feeling in the world. So people are honestly my passion. If it's something as super small as, like, us getting coffee together or the biggest, you know, hospitality or fitness, just making people happy making or helping people feel confident in themselves and their lives and 
making, you know, just happiness, you know. That is my... So you're a good fit for the hospitality. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You're a people person. Yeah, 100%. 100%. That's yeah. awesome. Okay, so, like we said, you've been here for a month and a half? Yeah. Gosh. What's the coolest thing you're working on right now? Honestly, I thought about this before, like, as I was reading my little, like, prompts. <laughs> and I, there's not one thing. I think every time I get something new, that's exciting for me. Just because, you know, new things. Um... It's cool to start to talk to more people, like, on the student side. Like, when I get emails from students themselves or, you know, different people that work in their chapter and whatnot. Um, again, the whole helping aspect. So, anytime people are like, Chrissy, I need help. I'm like, okay. And like, jump right on into <laughs> it. And it's just, that is exciting and fun yes. for me. Um, also, like, collaborating with y'all about, like, the communication side of things and, like, how I can, again, I'm, like, still, again, brand spanking new, so, like, still <laughs> learning all the things, and I'm sure y'all are, like, can you please just get this, you know, <laughs> which is true, I, you know, I want to as well, um, but everything is still exciting for me, so, like, I haven't found anything that I'm, like, this is a drag, because it's all new, and it's, yeah. it's fun, so, you know, whether it's student applications, or getting the stuff together for the, um, student chapter, um, idea fair, um, that was really fun to collaborate with everyone. Um, so just, it's kind of cool to dabble in different things and like not have to stay in one lane. Um, and I think that's, that's yeah. why I like maybe like in the, like the past couple like hospitality jobs, I like wasn't a super big fan of cause I don't like to stay in one lane. I that's like to try new things yeah, and I like think, help out in different aspects. I think that's one of the cool things about working here specifically, but in the association space in general Absolutely. is you wear many hats always. Yeah. Like, we have our job titles, but within that, there are multiple different things that we have to do or are responsible for. And then when you have a staff that's the size of our staff, which is small-ish, um, then it also becomes, okay, well, what are your individual skill sets? What kinds of things are you good at? And what mm -hmm. new things can you take on because of the things that you're either good at or interested in or whatever? Um it's very, like, you don't, there's not, like, one little tiny lane that you have to stay in the mm -hmm. whole time and you can only do this. It's kind of like, okay, we'll do that, but then also see how you can help and where you can flourish and who you can talk to and, you know, what can you be interested in and, and other things. I think there's a lot of room for that in the way that our team functions here, I think, which Absolutely. is pretty cool. I've already seen it. Like, yeah. it's, it's awesome. Well, in this time of year, especially as we're prepping for World Conference, that's sort of like when all of that goes into high gear because mm -hmm. there are so many moving parts and so many things that have to come together to put the event on mm -hmm. successfully that we all kind of lean on each other and rely on each other's expertise or experience or interest to, you know, to get things put together and make sure things happen on time when they're supposed to happen, you know? So, I mean, this is... This is when we fire on all cylinders plus some. <laughs> How about it? We're here for it. I love it. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Okay, what are your hobbies? Besides, like, fitness and stuff, we've already talked about I know. About. We can't really talk about that anymore. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> so kind of along the lines of, like, fitness. Kind of. Um, I'm a big yogi, too. I'm a yoga instructor. Um, my, like big goal since July. I told myself I'd give myself a month and I'd have it and I 100% didn't. And it's like December and I'm still struggling. But handstands. Yes. <laughs> and I can like up on the wall, I could stand there for, you know, for, I for won't say hours, cause, but I can stand there for a while. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to get the whole like controlled up it's, and like, yeah. it is 
so hard. It's maddening. It's maddening. So hard. And and even sometimes like I <laughs> on my lunch breaks, mostly probably hurt my feet. Kind of like go up onto the yeah because I'll close my door and I'm like okay like Here that's why this space is clear because I want to be on my hands yes. and practice handstands. So. <laughs> that's one thing. I'll let y'all know when I actually get that. You'll see me walking on my hands down the hall. That's how you'll know that I, I mastered it. Yeah. I do CrossFit. So yep. Handstand walking. Very much a part of that. Yeah. I used to do gymnastics when I was a kid. Yeah. My goal is also controlled handstand holds because yes. I can walk on my hands just fine. Holding it is way harder. And then a press handstand. Where yes. So much, I have no core strength for that. That's nonsense. Melissa, do you want to walk on your hands? No. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> not one like, Absolutely not. Yeah. I am not interested no. in this. It is cool. I run. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I run. That would help with core strength True. for running. Absolutely. Cross sure training. Would. Yes. Do you um, have additional questions, Melissa? I don't. I don't. Yeah. Have anything else you'd like to share that we haven't covered? I mean, I don't think so. Just, you know. Excited to be here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for conference, honestly. Like, I, that is the one thing that I, like, every time I get a little, like, I don't know how what I'm doing is beneficial at all. <laughs> I, <laughs> I cannot wait. You have no idea. Every time I go home and I'm like, did I make a difference today? Because that's, like, a big thing that just always, did I make a difference in someone's life today? Um, I always think that, and I'm like, I think it's all going to come together in February. Absolutely. That's pretty much how that goes. When, <laughs> when I see it. Yep. And, like, again, like, I'm excited to put, like, like faces to names. Yes. Um, and, honestly, they're going to have to, like, pull me away from people, because I'm going to just start conversations. Don't Where's worry. Christina? She's still talking to someone. I will so. be your conference handler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Christina, that's enough. Let's go. Christina, yeah, you're, you're done. You get 10 minutes tops to talk to people, and then you are gone. No, conference is great. And I yeah. think you hit the nail on the head. It's kind of hard when you're in it it's to see the forest for the trees, for sure. I mean, we get so hyper-focused on, like, little tasks or little pieces of the larger puzzle. Yeah. But, like, you know, whether it's, like, working on, like, the app content, or in my mm-hmm. case, like, signage. I'm trying to get all this signage, like, coordinated and people's edits in and make sure we get it in production or whatever. And it's like, it all feels, you know, and some days it feels super overwhelming. Or some days you go home and you're like, what did I even do today? Honestly. I know I did stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but like, how yeah. does it, and then when we get there and you take a step back and you see it all go, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We did, we did that. Uh-huh. And it's fun. And it's cool, too. Like, I feel like even when I first took this job, like, there are different, like, parts of this position in this company mm-hmm. that touch on the meeting planning that I've done mm-hmm. and the hospitality that I've done and, like, the just, like, the people sit. And I'm excited to kind of sew all those together. Yeah, like I said, many hats. <laughs> yeah. I love, I mean, fashionista, many yes, hats. I'm about there it. There you go. Mm-hmm. Well, Thank you for chatting with us. Of course. This was really nice. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, we are excited to welcome Julie Montrose to the podcast. Uh, Julie joined CMAA as the Senior Vice President of Business Development back in November. Um, She brings more than 20 years of experience in strategic planning, sponsorship, and exhibit sales, communications, public relations, and marketing. She's a jack of all trades. Julie has been a part of senior management teams in the association space for the last 15 years with a focus on advancing higher education and serving the manufacturing industry. So it's a little, little different change of pace for her joining CMAA, but we are so excited to have her here and we are looking forward to chatting. So welcome, Julie. 
Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) Well, we're happy you're here too. Um, So why don't we get started? Why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so you covered a lot in the in the bio, which I really appreciate. But um, I, I am very excited to be with the Club Management Association of America. This is a really different chapter for me, and it's interesting that I've I've come to this place because I am in fact married to a golf professional. So I have sort of an interesting perspective with with. Um, with respect to my knowledge of the club culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my, and also my father-in-law was a career golf course superintendent. So I've kind of learned about the club culture from lots of different angles, but never from the general manager level and, and from the management perspective. So I'm just really excited to, um, to have that new, new lens, if you will. <laughs> for sure. Uh, but, but as you mentioned, you know, I've been in the association space for many, many years, more, more than 20 now, um, both in higher education and then again in um, manufacturing for a number of years. So this really is a very different audience, but I, I feel really excited to to dig in and get working with with the club managers. That's awesome. Well, we're excited to have you, as I said. <laughs> <laughs> I think you bring great enthusiasm and a really interesting background to the table. So um, Thank you. I know that we will, on staff, we will certainly all benefit from that, but I truly believe our members will benefit from it as well as and our partners and, you know, all the, all the ways that our association functions can definitely benefit from someone with a a good background and um, good outside perspective. I mean, you know as well as anyone that the, the association industry is uh, its own unique environment. So, Absolutely it is. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting trying to explain, you know, what does an association do when right. you're talking with someone who doesn't really understand? And, you know, I, I have always been a big advocate of professional associations. You know, my husband, again, being a golf professional, I think before he met me, you know, he was already involved with PGA, but he he really wasn't understanding the full benefits of what it was to be part of a professional organization. And the, the continuing education and how critical that is. And, and obviously the most valuable piece being the networking and yep. really building relationships and, and, you know, not only making a name for yourself, but also, you know, sharing ideas and sharing resources. I mean, I think people that do not understand sort of the value of that professional organization um, benefit. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. Well, and I think in an, um, in an industry like, you know, clubs, and hospitality in general, but clubs specifically, um, that networking piece is sort of baked into their, you know, everyday life. I mean, hospitality is, you know, people, people, you know, (laughs) you spend so much time around others and talking and communicating with them. I mean, that you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the networking piece is invaluable, I think. It is. It is. Absolutely. Um, okay, so can you talk to us a little bit about what are you, you know, most passionate about, whether that's work stuff or personal stuff? <laughs> give, us, give us a little taste of everything. Well, you both know, Melissa and Kyle, you both know I am very much an open book. I share, I share a lot. <laughs> so, and I have a lot of passions. I, I mean, I think I, you know, I grew up as a, as a performer, I grew up in musical theater and as a, as a dancer. And I, after, um, I finished high school, I was actually, you know, considered a professional dancer and I toured and, and I, you know, I, I danced with a touring, um, 
uh, productions. So that chapter kind of, um, you know, I think poised me for, you know, my career, which I had no idea the trajectory my career would take me. Um, but it definitely, it poised me for, you know, just being comfortable talking to people and getting to know people. Um, and then I, my very first job out of college was at Georgetown Law and I worked for the dean at Georgetown and that, and I still just didn't have any sort of idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. <laughs> and that job very much kind of like set me on my path of communications, public relations, advocacy. And that's what I've done for, you know, a lot of years. I did have, interestingly enough, and this feels very full circle being at CMAA, I um, I had a stint when I was working at a private, club, a private golf club. I was um, in Pine Needles in North Carolina mm-hmm. working, uh, working at Pine Needles and Mid Pines, and I oversaw their co- corporate sales efforts. And so it's kind of interesting being here and, and going, kind of trying to remember going back to that <laughs> chapter of my life. Um, so kind of that goes back to my, my, my passions were always surrounding kind of theater and the arts. Um, I sit on the, uh, city of Alexandria's arts commission, and that's kind of my way of keeping my hand in the arts, if you will, because I no longer am a contributor. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't, I don't perform anymore. I, I certainly am not dancing anymore. Um, but having that role with the arts commission allows me to have that involvement, if you will, and, and get to know some really, really talented people that are in the arts space. So that's really fun. And then of course I can't not talk about the fact that I have a beautiful daughter. She's 20 months. And of course, you know, my husband and I are just delighted to to be parents for the first time. And, and we just are really, really enjoying that journey right now. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, I mean, Julie and I have talked about this at length, but I'm also a big <laughs> fan of musical theater and the arts. And I think it's fantastic that yeah. that's something that you're so passionate about. Julie's all well, a Packer fan. I was going to say who's interested. <laughs> I was going to say, we can't not talk about that. I mean, True. come on, Kyle, Kyle and I have bonded uh-huh. over our, our, our deep love for the Green Bay Packers. So I'm originally from Milwaukee. And so I've always considered Milwaukee teams to be sort of my home teams, even though I've been in this DC, Northern Virginia area for more than 30 years, but they're my home, te- they're my home teams. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I was really, really excited for the Nationals when they won the the World Series. But, you know, deep down, I just couldn't forget that they actually beat the Brewers oh, crew, crew. on that path, <laughs> on that path to the World Series. But, um, you know, I've been really excited with the success that some of the D.C. teams have had. But I can't I can't abandon my my roots in Wisconsin. Atta girl. Atta girl. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. That's right. All right. So. I know you're new, and so you're really spending a lot of time wrapping your head around everything at CMAA and and meeting new people and members and meeting people on staff and just getting everything straight. But what's the coolest thing that you're working on right now? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, truth, truth be told. So you, you, you mentioned it. I'm our, I'm only in week five right now. (laughs) So I am just really trying to wrap my arms around all of the amazing things that CMAA is doing. But on top of that, I'm trying to really get a handle on sort of what my responsibilities are going to be moving forward, especially in building, you know, an already very robust partner program. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, we're looking at, you know, where are some opportunities in the sponsorship space for, for some of our corporate sponsors um, and corporate partners. Um, you know, I, I have, you know, this extensive background in managing exhibit space and sponsorships and that type of thing. So, you know, being able to lend that expertise to a new, to a new industry is really exciting. And so having sort of a fresh perspective to look at world conference and, and be able to maybe identify a gap or two, if they even exist and just try to figure out how we can just build these relationships and, and really put, you know, meaningful vendors and meaningful partnerships in front of our membership. So I'm really trying to focus on that right now. Um, and just a dozen other things, just trying to get myself acclimated. You know, I, I can't, I, I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir right now, but <laughs> I cannot say enough about the CMAA staff. It's just been the most remarkable five weeks, just getting to know everybody and getting to understand how passionate everybody is here about what they do. Um, I was also very fortunate yesterday to visit um, a couple of members. I had never seen a city club before. And so the general managers of, of Cosmos and um, Soulgrave were very gracious. Mitchell and Bob, they were very gracious and spent a day with me showing me their um they're beautiful, beautiful clubs. So that was really exciting. And it was a great introduction to city clubs. Mm -hmm, for um, sure. So, and I'm really excited about conference. I just can't wait to get to Texas and Dallas specifically and really start to put names and faces together and finally start to really build some meaningful relationships. I'm, I'm so excited about that. Absolutely. Well, I mean, this time of year, anybody who, we talked about this with Christina as well, <laughs> coming on board in November yeah. is a little bit like drinking from a fire hose. So. <laughs> it's totally true. It's but I will say this, I, I'm happy to have started what I did mm -hmm. because I have been in situations before where I'll start and then like the following week I'm at their, their equivalent of world conference. Talk about a, a fire hose. No I mean, kidding. you don't even have any context mm -hmm. as to what went into planning that at least, at least having started a few months prior to world conference, I'm at least seeing some of the behind the scenes, the moving parts. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really helpful. And I was very fortunate. Melissa and I were able to take a trip to, um, grapevine, um, Texas to see the Gaylord and to walk the space. And that was really, really helpful. So now I'm just super excited to see it like kind of come to life. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm hoping to see everybody there and have a chance to meet everybody. Um, so if you see me wandering around looking a little lost, be, <laughs> sure, to, be sure to say hello. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we already kind of talked about your unique connection to the club industry with your husband being a PGA pro. Yeah. And um, you're, so you said your dad was a so my father-in-law, father so my my husband's yeah. dad was a golf course superintendent, career career long golf course superintendent. And you know, I, I was talking a little bit yesterday with Mitchell and Bob about you know sort of my lack of exposure to the club world prior to meeting my <laughs> husband. So I met him about eight years ago, and prior to that, I just didn't have any any understanding. And um, so in the time that I've known them both, I've just really learned so much about you know not only from the perspective of you know. My husband comes home every night and we kind of talk shop and we definitely do talk shop. Um, but then like being at a course with my father-in-law and he'll, he'll point out things that like, I never would have looked at from a critical lens, you know, he'll say, Oh, that, that doesn't look good. Or, you know, 
all these different nuances. So it's really, really interesting to get the perspective of, especially the golf course superintendent, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then of course, you know, I've had an opportunity to see some of the behind the scenes operations at a variety of different clubs. And it's just, it's, it's so interesting and it's, it makes me feel so pleased to, to be serving this membership. Absolutely. I was in yeah. the same boat. I didn't have much of a background, really any background with clubs before I started with CMAA. Yeah. So I've spent the last almost seven years learning a lot yeah, <laughs> and of being, course. being incredibly impressed and surprised um, oh. around every corner. So. It, it truly is. It's so impressive. And to think what our members, you know, juggle on a daily yes. basis to make sure that it's a smooth operation and to make sure that everything is impeccable mm-hmm. and and, you know, seeing some of it firsthand yesterday, I just, it, I'm in awe of it. I really yes. am. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, um, I don't have any more pre-prepared questions. Melissa, is there anything <laughs> else you'd like to ask? Yep. I think you got it all. Yeah. This has been a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Julie. It was lovely to sit down and chat with you. Thanks. Meet you. And we're so excited to have you on board. Thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to seeing everyone at World Conference. So in a, in a couple of months, gosh, we're, it will be we are right before yeah, we know it. <laughs> Don't count. Do you know? Yeah, I'm not going to count. Don't count. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's best to leave that one alone. <laughs> but we're going to be ready and it's going to be fantastic. We always are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Julie. To talk about announcements, but Tony brought up a great point when, in talking about mentorship and the importance of mentorship um, within our industry that I wanted to make sure to remind our listeners about a lot of the mentorship opportunities that are available at World Conference. Um, it's, as we've mentioned a number of times, it's just around the corner and it's not too early to start thinking about your schedule for the week. Um, but we really hope that as part of your schedule, you incorporate some time to serve as a conference mentor to one of our student attendees. Um, Introduced two years ago, the conference mentorship uh, initiative is an opportunity that is meant to fit within the time spent at World Conference and gives students a chance to connect with a specific manager throughout the week. Um, Manager and student groups are assigned before we arrive in Grapevine, Texas which gives the mentor time to connect with the student, introduce themselves, exchange contact information, and share their schedule um, so that they can find time to meet up and spend time with their student counterparts throughout the time that they spend at World Conference. Um, We ideally would like folks who are interested in that to sign up online before February 3rd. That sign up is available. You can find it in um, the December Chapter Digest as well as on the website. And if you have any questions about that initiative, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to point you in the right direction. Um, Additionally, we also have the Student Mentor Lunch, which we are opening up to, again, all managers this year. If perhaps you don't think you're going to have time to spend with a student throughout the whole week of conference, sign up to be a mentor at the Mentor Lunch. It's um, one time deal. (laughs) You don't have to do it for the whole week. Uh, It's an hour-long lunch where you can sit down, you can answer questions with lots of students. It's a great networking opportunity for them, and it's a good recruiting opportunity for you as well. So sign up for that. It's also available online. Check out the December Chapter Digest um, or contact me for more details. What else do you got, Melissa? It's time to cast your vote. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that. 
Voting is an important CMA professional membership right and privilege. So we ask all of our listeners who are current CMA members to review all the information you need to vote and take part in the 2020 CMA election. There's a great slate of candidates who are prepared to serve the association for your consideration, as well as a bylaw amendment. So you can actually start voting now online. You can find all the information and get started at cma.org backslash vote, V-O-T-E. Um, voting is open for professional alumnus, continuation, and retired professional members who have renewed their 2020 yes. national membership. So P.S. If you haven't paid your membership for 2020, please do so. I don't think you can register for World Conference if your dues haven't been renewed either. So make sure your well, dues have been. You can, paid. but you're going to pay more. Right. Right. So save so, money, renew your membership. Do that. <laughs> Students, uh, there there is voting on site at the World Conference, yes. uh, but we do encourage you to go ahead and take time to review the information ahead of time. You can also check out the early December edition of Outlook for more information. But get started at back at cma.org backslash vote and do your civic duty absolutely let your voice be heard and we will make the announcement of the elections uh, at the closing business session and via email and social media to all those not in attendance attendance on february 12th and if you are unable to attend world conference we do have absentee voting so absolutely take advantage of that online voting yes do it it's very important All right. Well, I think that wraps us up for our December end of the year, end of the decade episode. We are absolutely so thrilled that, you know, we get to spend another month sitting down with wonderful people chatting about important topics and introducing you to new faces um, and new team members. We are looking forward to January. Our episode will be all about conference prep going to do a little peek behind the conference curtain again we got a lot of great feedback on that episode last year and you know you can never learn too much about world conference and maybe a little bit about what goes in to the planning of that Um, we have some fun events coming up at world conference that are going to be new this year and we're going to talk about those what else do we have on the schedule melissa all about conference just just conference conference all the things Conference, we're all we all have conference brain here at headquarters. Uh, but we we are going to pause uh, for the end of the year and in, enjoy some ho- happy holidays. And we wish to all of our members, our friends, and our listeners the happiest of holidays. Absolutely. And, and we look forward to ringing in 2020 with all of you. Yes. So if you haven't had a chance yet, please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on SoundCloud. Share with your friends. Share with your family. You know, more listeners, the better. And uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's, all of the above. Absolutely. Until 2020, this is Kyle and Melissa signing off. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.